Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pump Fake. I am Jared Bailey, as always. I forgot my name there for a second. That is my friend from SB Nation, John Proctor Acosta. You know, we've been friends for a minute. I've never asked you what the JP stood for. It's Joseph Patrick. Uh, okay. My great-granddad's name is Joseph, and my dad wanted an excuse to call me JP. So we just, we just came up with a random middle name, and I was like, hey, Patrick, it is. Why did your dad want an excuse to call you JP? I don't know. It's just, huh. just rolls off the tongue. No, no it does. It, it absolutely does. And I, yeah. I, I, I just never, I went the route of um, the crucible, John Proctor. Did you read that in English class in high school? I did. I did. We had a whole, like, we spent like three months on that book. It was, it was a lot. But when I was a freshman in high school playing football, um, the, uh, one of my coaches said my name sounded like a professional wrestling name. So if <laughs> if I ever do become a pro wrestler, I'm just gonna use JP Acosta. That is that is going to be the gimmick name. If uh, if I ever became a wrestler, my ring name would be Uriah Michaelson. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Uriah, because I've always liked that name, and uh, Michaelson is the last name of a uh, family from Vampire Diaries. So that, that's where that's where the that's two came together. Yeah. I, I initially went Michaelson, Shawn Michaelson. <laughs> Oh no, no had zero to do with had zero to do with like actual <laughs> wrestling lore. It's it's a you know a, a CW teen drama show. So see, I, we were in two completely different realms, but somehow absolutely we at the same point. <laughs> we used the incorrect formula, but got the correct answer. Exactly, that's all that matters as long as we get to the right answer. And hey, speaking of you know somehow getting to where they need to be, Stefan Diggs eventually ended up in Bill's minicamp after no-showing day one. We got Sean McDermott saying he's very concerned that he's not there. After Stefan was in Buffalo, his agent was like, I don't know why he's not here. He was just in Buffalo. Everything was very chaotic yesterday, or two days ago, I guess, with with the, the Buffalo Bills. And then yesterday, Stefan Diggs shows up, is at mandatory minicamp. He's posting Josh Allen on his Instagram story. And if you felt a, a breeze come down to Orlando, Florida, that was all of Buffalo collectively exhaling, and it sent a drift down the eastern coast. Um, I I really don't know what to make of this, man. This still feels weird from the outside looking in. Um, and look, there's a world where if Buffalo puts it all together, wins a championship, we're all sitting here in February laughing. Like, man, remember that dig stuff during minicamp and how we thought that it was going to ruin them? Maybe it's the kick in the ass they needed. Because Stefan Diggs, ever since the loss to Cincinnati, he definitely took that to heart. And, you know, there's, you know, the, the picture of him or the video of him barking at Josh Allen on the sideline. He wanted that Twitter spree afterwards talking about how, you know, everybody was more mad at his reaction to losing than them losing in the first place. I, I don't know, man, from that's a lot of drama for June. Uh, <laughs> how, how does it look to you? I think it's all incredibly funny and also incredibly, incredibly dumb. Like, <laughs> you're making a whole lot out of somebody just possibly being like, yeah, I just don't like mandatory minicamp. Like, I just don't want to show up in June to be in practices right now. Like, that's just – maybe Buffalo is just bad vibes. We have never – we've never actually considered that Buffalo might just be bad vibes. Maybe. But 
you know, maybe like Stefan Diggs walked in, he saw Josh Allen in the offense doing like a rendition of like Mamma Mia. And he was like, yeah, that's enough for me today. I'm, I'm out of here. But in all seriousness, I think the Stefan Diggs situation, I really don't think there's much to it because if they did want to trade Stefan Diggs, they, they literally cannot do it. He signed a four-year $96 million extension. The dead cap on that contract right now is sitting at $45 million this year and $31 million next year. There's no there's no reason financially they'd be able to do it. And no. on the field, if they traded Stefan Diggs, you're looking at a receiver room of Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, Justin Shorter, Khalil Shakir, Khalil Shakir, Jalen Wayne, Marcel Aitman. It's not good. It is <sighs> Stefan Diggs is doing a lot of covering up of a bad receiver room. Without Stefan Diggs, are the Bills the worst receiving core in the NFL? Mm. It's either them or Tennessee. Yeah, like, yeah, that that's exactly where my where my mind went to. Like Tennessee's is bad, but it all depends on what you think of Gabe Davis. Exactly. Gabe Davis sometimes is good, but when Gabe Davis is bad, Gabe Davis is awful. So like Gabe Davis is lightning in a bottle. Like he'll have the game where he'll go three catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns like he did against Pittsburgh, and a lot of games where he just disappears. I think he is a wide receiver three that has to try and be a wide receiver two because there is no wide receiver two. Yeah. Wide receiver two is Stefan Diggs. He's also Stefan Diggs is also wide receiver one. <laughs> so you just drop down a spot from there. But I really think it is a whole lot of nothing. I think we made it out to be a little scarier because he said he was going to be at minicamp and then he didn't show yeah. up. Maybe he just doesn't want to practice. It, it might just be like, yeah, man, I didn't want to be there. Like I, I just didn't want to be there for day one. And it's like it's fine because he showed up the next day. If he would have, if he would have not shown up the next day, I feel like there'd be a little, a little bit more there. But combined with him showing up next day, his his contract situation, as well as the receiver room behind Stephon Diggs, there's the Bills are not getting rid of him. The Bills are not going to trade him. Not now. No, and I don't know. I think you know we talk about wide receiver two, three, and whatnot. I think that's why you drafted Dalton Kincaid, who's going to be more or less, you know, uh, the second option in the offense with Gabe Davis kind of being that third guy. Obviously, he's still got Dawson Knox there. We'll see what comes of the running back room. James Cook seemed to be the feature back in that offense now. Um, I don't know, man. This is uh, – do the Bills have a Sean McDermott problem to you? I, it's really tough to say. I don't think so. I think Sean McDermott is a fairly good coach, but I also think the Bills were not structurally built to win in the playoffs. Like they they were not built very well in terms of both first off, their allocation and their distribution of how they've paid pass rushers and how they've drafted pass rushers outside of Von Miller has been really bad. The yeah. reason you had to go sign Von Miller was because you, you drafted AJ Epineza and uh, Boogie Basham back-to-back, and neither of those guys has turned out to be serviceable yet. That's yeah. why you had to go out and get Von Miller. That's why you're banking on a breakout year from them because you need you need it this year, you know? So they, de- they don't really have pass rush. Their offensive line has kind of been pretty bad. It's been it's been like, covered up by a lot of Josh Allen being really good at football like and Josh Allen doing the chaos stuff covers yeah. up a lot, but 
they're really bad and they could not, they're not able to run the ball or get tough yards. So when the offense is all built on Josh Allen chaos and deep throws and deep passing, that's what happens when you get to the playoffs and you're not able to get consistent yardage They They were just not built to last in the playoffs. So you're hoping that you draft Osiris Torrance, that'll shore up the offensive line. You're hoping that the run game comes around. It's not even like if they can, it's whether they want to. Yeah. yeah. They just don't want to run the ball. And that's more, that's where you can kind of get on to Sean McDermott on, Hey, Maybe you should try doing this a little differently, but he's not a bad coach. I don't think he's like fantastic, but I don't think they have a Sean McDermott problem. I think if anything, they have a Ken Dorsey problem. When you look at how the offense is skewed, it's balls to the wall. It's playing with Freebird playing in the background and it's, they don't take the layups in that offense. Like the, What I go back to with the Bills specifically, a play that sticks out to me is the interception in overtime against Minnesota that sealed the loss. Because if you look at the All-22, he's got Devin Singletary wide open in the flat, and instead he tries threading a needle in a window that's not there in triple coverage, and it's picked off and the game's over. Like The Bills live in this world where it's 60 yards or it's no yards, and they've got to be able to live with, all right, we'll gain eight yards here and play for another down rather than to hell with it. That looks like Stefan Diggs down there. We'll see if uh, we'll see him catch it. But I feel like that's kind of the trade-off you get with Josh Allen. Like it, he's going to do some real stupid stuff. He's going to make some real stupid throws. That's just sure. Josh Allen lifestyle. But some of those throws end up being like 60-yard bombs that are threaded on a needle. Like that's the trade-off you have to make. So I feel like the offense really has been a reflection of Josh Allen, the quarterback. And I'm not saying that like, this like Josh Allen's bad or anything. I just think no, no. that's what that's an area where he needs to improve in taking the layups and, and the offense building it in so that he can take the layups instead of being like, my only option is either to throw it 60 yards or run it 60 yards. And I think this is where the offense really missed Brian Dable last year, too, is because, I mean, you saw what he did for Daniel Jones. And I think we kind of, in hindsight, can say, oh, man, you look at Josh's interception and turnover numbers with Dable versus the year without him. And it's vastly different. Yeah. And I think it's not that Ken Dorsey is a bad OC. I think he's actually like structurally and what they do. Like I see it. I understand why they do it. And it looks really cool, but I think it's more of a play calling is so much like right now. It's like, Oh, draw this up. And, we'll go make sure it works. But a lot of it is of play calling is knowing when to call, what to call, when to call it. I think there was a clip on Twitter the other day where uh, George Kittle was on a podcast. He's talking about how Kyle Shanahan would call run plays specifically like knowing this wouldn't work against their defense to set up a play action, excuse me, play action pass that would go for 75 yards. So it's that intentional kind of play calling that I think is kind of missing, but it was also Ken Dorsey's first year as a play caller. Sure. Like we're going to, hopefully he'll improve. I think, I think Buffalo just needs to chill out. (laughs) I think everybody just needs to take a collective breath, breathe in, breathe out. Everything is going to be fine. Everybody just needs to relax. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Buffalo is going to fall off a cliff or miss the playoffs or anything like that. Um, 
just a lot of noise the past, not even just like over the past few days. It just feels like a somewhat of a noisy offseason with a team that didn't make a ton of moves, but is still kind of reeling from last year being like, damn it, that was our year to kind of do this. And we did it. So we'll see. I'm, I agree with you. I think Buffalo just needs to relax for a minute. R E L A X put the whole Aaron Rodgers treatment and just take a chill pill. Yeah. Take, maybe, maybe throw back something and just calm down. Everybody just needs to relax. There have been, there's look, if Stefan Diggs just didn't show up at all, the entire weekend sure. saying he was going to be there, then there'd be a problem. But he showed up. He was there. <laughs> like, I think, I think everybody just needs to chill. It, well, everybody's going to, they're banking on improvement within, like within the team. And that's really what you got to hope for. That is, I uh, will stick with, within the AFC East um, because two notable, probably the two most notable remaining free agents are kind of being, I don't want to say penciled in to go to these places, but it seems like if you know you're betting on where both Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins are gonna go, it seems like Dalvin Cook is the odds on favorite to go to Miami. And the Patriots hosted DeAndre Hopkins on a visit, and it looks like it went pretty well. Um, in terms of both of these guys, I think Dalvin Cook makes sense to go to Miami. They don't really have a game-changing back in, uh, on their team right now. DeAndre Hopkins to New England, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, makes a negative amount of sense to me. I actually think I like the Hopkins fit. Stop it, JP. Come on. Than the Miami fit for Dalvin Cook. And JP. The reason why is I think DeAndre Hopkins worked, he worked really well with Bill O'Brien in on the field. Front office, yeah. totally different thing. Bill O'Brien, the GM, sucked. We we know that. He traded. What did he trade Hopkins for? Was it like two fourth round picks or something that he got? David Johnson and a bag of Doritos. Yeah, that's basically it. But on the field, DeAndre Hopkins was extremely productive with Bill O'Brien. I think, of course, DeAndre has lost a step, but he can still be a very good receiver at the catch point and a good outside receiver at the catch point. That's something that the Patriots just don't really have. They don't have that true number one receiver right now. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is best as a compliment in an offense. You know, you go sign Mike Gesicki, who is a jumbo receiver who will probably play slot the most. Sure. I mean, they're they're missing that that catch point receiver. That's that's a perfect fit for DeAndre Hopkins. For Dalvin Cook in Miami, I I get why people think that's like the perfect fit. But I also think Miami's backs like were were pretty productive within that scheme. I don't think they are a I don't think Miami's scheme is one where like, oh, we need a true bell cow running back. Because oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean McDaniel came from the 49ers. It's the same thing where they can kind of just usher in different guys each week, whatever happens, yeah, and they'll be productive. Play, so I get I get what you're saying. They're gonna play all three running backs, including yeah. Devin A. Chain, who they drafted in the third round. Maybe I'm putting too much onto what they think of Devin A-Chain, but Maybe. that can be a guy you use in the passing game. Jeff Wilson Jr. is more of the hammer. Uh, Raheem Mostert is going to be the speed guy when he's healthy. I mean, Dalvin Cook is going to be fighting for carries there. I actually think him going to Denver would probably make the most sense in if he wants to get carries. 
because Javante Williams recovering from a torn ACL. Samaj P. Ryan is more of a pass pass protection back. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of carries in Denver behind an offense that is very clearly wanting to run the ball this year. Yeah, Sean Payton is saying we're going to run the ball 35 times and we're not putting the 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 game in Russell Wilson's hands if we don't We are minimalizing the cooking. We are yes. we're turning this into the easy bake oven. All you, this is, is going to be TV dinner offense. This is our Stover's offense. Just turn on the microwave. Just turn on the oven. That's all you got to do. Don't do anything. You only have to put together the recipe. We got to hear for you. I'm telling you what, man. I had a Stover's lasagna and it was great. See, that's exactly what Russ. That's what, that's what Russ should be. He, so he Russ just needs to be a Stover's lasagna. Just be a Stover's lasagna, man. You don't, you don't got to try and be the let Russ cook offense. And I think that the Broncos are headed towards making sure that he doesn't have to do everything by himself. He doesn't need to. He shouldn't have to at this point. So I think Dalvin Cook is a better fit for Denver than he is Miami. But I really like, in my head, like on paper, the uh, the fit of DeAndre Hopkins in New England. I think for me, it just in terms of the Hopkins-New England fit, it just comes down to I don't believe in Mac Jones. And if I'm DeAndre Hopkins... If I'm DeAndre Hopkins and he's saying, coming out and saying that like winning is the most important thing. If he wants a ring, he's a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer who doesn't have a ring yet. I'm New England isn't at the top of my list of places I want to go right now. And it's no disrespect to you know Bill Belichick or his legacy or anything like that. But since Brady's left, it's not like he's there's been nothing impressive about New England since Tom Brady's been gone. And like again, that doesn't tarnish Bill Belichick's legacy, but I think this comes back to the whole head coach general manager dynamic where Bill, Bill Belichick is a defensive guy at heart. And the past few years, there's been, I'm going to build a really solid defense. We're going to win games 20 to 19. And that's just what I'm going to do. But I don't know, man. It, I don't like, I shouldn't say I don't like your, I think your reasoning makes sense. It's just if I'm putting myself in DeAndre Hopkins shoes, New England isn't on my list. And that's perfectly fair. I understand, like, not having the belief in Mac Jones. I still, the jury's still out on Mac Jones. But yeah. the the hope is you bring in Bill O'Brien to kind of help Mac Jones get back to a point where he's not actively fighting his offensive coordinators. Like, I do think, yeah, Mac Jones is bad, but he also had arguably the worst offensive coordinator tandem. Oh, yeah. It's I hear you on that. But I definitely understand the Mac Jones point. I think like what's Mac Jones ceiling to you? Mac Jones ceiling is I thought I thought coming out of draft, Mac Jones ceiling was he is, you know, they have variants of Loki. He's a Kurt variant. He I'm gonna be honest with you, JP. I've got no idea what the hell you're talking about. Okay. But you can explain he's, it to me. He's a variant of Kurt Cousins. I think he is <laughs> okay. Okay, so how, like, Ryan Tannehill is, like, athletic, Kirk? I think, like, Matt Jones is a quarterback you can win with. You can win with Kirk Cousins. You're not going to win because of Kirk Cousins. I don't think you're going to win because of Matt Jones. I think he lacks the creativity outside of the pocket. I think he lacks the, the just the athletic tools to be one of those quarterbacks you win because of, and... I mean, you can think, say, like, oh, Joe Burrow doesn't have the strongest arm, but Joe Burrow 
has one-of-one pocket mobility, and he's also 6'4", 230. He's got one-of-one pocket mobility, and he's incredibly smart post-snap and pre-snap. Yeah, so I think Mac Jones' ceiling is the guy who's probably going to be helped a lot by the supporting cast and offensive coordinator. He was helped a lot by the offensive coordinator in 2020 when he helped the Patriots get to the playoffs. Was not helped a lot by Beavis and Butthead in 2022. So this year, you're going to get Bill O'Brien in. Hopefully he gets him back to just a base level of being a quarterback. And then the supporting cast, plus that defense, it's a it's a log jam in the AFC, but they should be sure. fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think maybe that's a better question. So as they currently stand right now in the AFC, 16 teams, like if I'm going through, I don't think they're better than anybody in the AFC North. If you want to argue Cleveland, because we don't know about Deshaun Watson, you can have Cleveland, I suppose. Um, AFC South, they're better than Tennessee. They're better than Houston. I don't think they're better than anybody in the AFC. They're better than Indianapolis. Oh, Indy. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're better than Indy. And I think they're better than Vegas. Um, so they're probably, to me, like the 11th best team right now in the AFC East. I kind of think they're better than Denver. And the reason... Oh, that, the reason you know, I'm, for, I'm forgetting teams exist apparently right now, JP. Yeah, I, I think they are... So, they're right now one of the in-the-hunt teams. Like, if things go right... Yeah, gonna- yeah, yeah. They're in that, you know, between like 8 and 10 of teams that can kind of, you can kind of shuffle yeah. around. You can, you can make the playoffs if things go right, but one of those things that has to be right is the quarterback building confidence not back not only in the coordinator but back in into himself. Matt Jones lost a lot of confidence last year, and I'm not saying like, oh, poor Matt, Matt Jones. He, I, he did not play very well. He played bad in some points, but I do think the new coordinator, and if they get DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins will help him get back to a point where he is an average starting quarterback. I don't, I don't know. I think to me, he is like capped out at being like the 18th or 19th best guy in the league. Like I, I just feel like that's his absolute cap. And that's if things go really well. Well, yeah, I think when you look at um, <laughs> uh, very funny, the uh, Twitter user, see my spin move. Seahawks fan, he created, I think it was a few years ago, the uh, the Kirk scale. Yeah. Quarterbacks who are, so Kirk Cousins is the neutral. He is one Kirk. You have super Kirks who are one Kirk or above, and then non-super Kirks who are one Kirk or below. Mac Jones, at his best, will probably get to one Kirk. <laughs> he can be, like, consistently in the 0. 0.75, 0. 0.85 Kirks. But he'll he is he is a Kirk variant, and I think that's fine if you just want to make the playoffs every year or get close to making the playoffs every year. Sure. If you want to like win win, you need you don't need a Kirk variant. You need a dude. Like here, let me let me pull something up and we'll play a quick little game when it comes to to Kirk Cousins. Oh, I'm sorry, not Kirk, Mac Jones. So like right now, if you could have going into the season. You could have Mac Jones or Baker Mayfield. Who are you taking? Mac Jones. I think I would too, which says more about Baker Mayfield than it does Mac Jones, I think. Would you take Mac Jones or Jacoby Brissett? Mac Jones. See, I think that's where we differ. I think I might take Jacoby Brissett. 
I I don't think I would. I think Jacoby Brissett has a clear ceiling of like six games if you if you start him. Mm. Like he started most of the uh most of the Cleveland games. Yeah. And they weren't that great. He they weren't that great in those games, despite having Nick Chubb in the backfield and a really good offensive line. So I think Jacoby Brissett is maxed out at like spot starter. He's maxed out at uh non-super Kirk. Yeah, he's below he's below the Kirk scale. Would you take Mac Jones this season or Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> this this is interesting. And the reason I think it's interesting is because Ryan Tannehill is 36 years old. He's a sneaky 36. Yeah, man. It it's, it caught up it caught up to him too. <laughs> but he's coming off an ankle injury. Yeah. Um that offense was really bad. Doesn't have didn't have any protection. I think I would take Mac Jones, but I can I can understand why you'd want Tannehill if you like have everything in place and just needed a guy who yeah. gets you close to the playoffs. Yeah, the Titans were the number one seed a few years ago with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. How about that, by the way? The most random one seed of recent memory, the Tennessee Titans. That was a that was wild. It was. They had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and Kratos at running back. <laughs> That's the thing with Tennessee, too. Like we talked about that. We you and I seem to talk about the Titans a lot, which is fine because somebody's got to. I go back and forth with Tennessee, man, because like I don't I don't mean back and forth between like they'll be terrible or a playoff team, but Vrabel does seem to raise their floor. And I look at their roster, they stink. There's nothing on that roster not named Derrick Henry. I'm like, I want that guy right now. But somehow, he's probably going to have them at six or seven wins this year. And I, I'm going to be baffled by it. I think they're going to be really bad. I think, I think they should be really bad. They're going to be really bad. I, I just don't know how much longer Ryan Tannehill like, has left in terms of like, what he can do. Ryan Tannehill's at his best because he's confident throwing the ball over the middle and he can use his legs. He can run the ball if he if things get if things go wrong. He can run the ball. Yeah, he, he's athletic, Kirk. Yeah, he is if his ankle isn't fully healed and he's also 36 years old, you lose yeah. that football ability. And as you get older, unless you're Tom Brady, your arm just gets weaker. So if you don't have the confidence or the arm strength to throw it over the middle. And the ability to run, I think that's why they drafted Will Levis because Will Levis is Kentucky Ryan Tannehill. Confidence to throw the ball over the middle and the ability to run if need be. And you know what? Let's let's try to pencil in where we think Will Levis is going to inevitably make his season debut because I think I have it in my head. So let me take you through the first month and a half of their season. They open up at New Orleans. I think that game is honestly a toss-up because I don't think the Saints are going to be great, but they've got the better quarterback and the better structure. So I think New Orleans should win that, especially being at home. So I think that's an 0-1 start for the Titans. Then they host the Chargers. It's a cross-country trip for the Chargers, but they're the better team and they should win. But at the same time, it is the Chargers, J.P. Acosta, and God only knows what's going to happen with them every week. There's going to be um, a catastrophic injury, and then the Chargers will just go back to being the Chargers. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a toss-up there. Um, but they're be- I might give that one to Tennessee just because they're better coached and it's early season and it's the Chargers, so why not? I would give that to the Chargers. I, I, I think Mike Vrabel is a great coach. 
that's a bad roster offensively. It, it's really bad. After that, they go to Cleveland, host Cincinnati, host – or sorry, travel to Indianapolis, host Baltimore. Mm. I mean, you might get – Maybe – maybe a win there. Like, out of those first six games, that's a one-and-five start, I think. Maybe two-and-four if you get lucky. Then they have their bye week, and they come off their bye hosting the Atlanta Falcons at home, and I think that's where we see Will Levis in week eight. Yeah, that's a that's a real nice that's a real nice point there. I think a uh, home game, especially off a of bye, that's that sounds like Will Levis time. What, yep. what else do they have on the rest of their schedule? Maybe I don't think I think he, he might be a little bit of a later starter. So they host the Falcons week eight, and mm-hmm. then after that they travel to Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Then they go to Tampa Bay. Maybe that could be the, the road, road game. game. Road game. I want to start on first career game on the road. Mm-mm. Okay. Then they traveled to Jacksonville after Tampa Bay. So they got three consecutive road games after. That is rough. That is rough. <laughs> it's rough. And then they host Carolina. Yeah, that's Bryce sneaky. Young versus Will Levis. That's sneaky. Home game against but, Carolina. But at the same time, man, that's like week 14. Like, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you wait that long? I mean, if this team, like, like we said with Mike Vrabel at the top, he's going to try and win. Like, yeah, there he raises the floor, but at the same time, like, how low is this floor? <laughs> like, how high are we raising this thing? If I think the- you and I both agree that roster wise, this team will be competing, like, should be on paper a bottom three team in the league. Yeah. So I think their floor theoretically is like two, three wins. I think Rabel probably raises that by at least a game. So they could be hovering around the five win range as a whole, going five and twelve. Yeah. I I definitely think after the buy at home against Atlanta, that's where we might see Levis. If not then I feel like it's gotta be. If not then then you might just unless you're starting him on the road, which I, you and I both agree that's probably even as bad as Tampa Bay going to be, in my opinion. I still think I agree with you. It should be a home game to have him as comfortable as humanly possible. But I mean, after after the Atlanta game, it's three consecutive road games. So the Atlanta game takes place on October 29th. They don't have another home game until November 26th. I mean, it would be week 14, but it's better than not getting him any game reps at all. That's what so, I'm saying. So. I think it's either coming off the bye at home against Atlanta or coming off the road trip, especially Carolina. if that road trip goes real bad. Oh, yeah. Because, again, it's absolutely at Pittsburgh, at Tampa, at Jacksonville. I don't think they're at, – at best they win at Tampa, but they're getting smoked the other two games. Yeah. I mean, the Jacksonville game is always tricky because it's a divisional game. Sure. But – you're coming off I mean, that. Yeah, road we trip. saw we saw Josh Dobbs almost beat Jacksonville last year. So yeah, it's man. it's we're, we're coming off that road trip, Owen three, and it might be Levis time after that. I was gonna say if you're going into week fourteen, like three and what three and ten, three and nine, what do you got to lose at that point? Yeah, I mean, if you win, then you might have a quarterback. If you lose, yeah. you're in like the top five of the draft. It, it, nothing matters at that point. If you are a bad team. And 
what also could come of this, like if they do put him in, let's say they do it against Atlanta and he's bad and they stink. Well, then it's a good quarterback class coming. And if you don't like Will Levis, well, you got Drake May sitting right there. If you can't get yeah, Caleb Williams, they were, he was a second round draft pick. <laughs> Not of course, like, I don't think it's that high of capital. They kind of recognize, like, hey, if he's bad, we're not tied to him. Yeah, but it's basically Drew Locke in Denver. Yeah, pretty much. It's If it works, cool. If it doesn't, then we are A-OK with moving yes, on. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. The Titans fascinate me. I know we spend so much time on them. But, I mean, it is you're, – you're a Jaguars guy. Um, so it, it works into the whole – the Jaguars conversation. I did a, uh, a watch the tape um on trevor lawrence there were so many throws that he made last year a few specifically against the titans and i posted one in the video he's moving to his left feet not planted or anything uncorks a bomb to zay jones fits it in the smallest of windows and hit zay jones in the face in the end zone i think that was his best throw of the season and zay jones dropped it and it really upset me what you're talking about it was the road game against tennessee Correct. We're running. Uh, it was a play action. I think it was Yankee. They had Christian Kirk coming across, Going the, across middle. the middle. Yep. I think it, I thought it was Jamal Agnew running the deep post. It might have been Zay Jones, but there were two tight. There were two Titans defenders right here. Yeah. Come to the point. They were like intercepting it right in between there. Yeah. I was actually in a restaurant as I was seeing that throw. Like I was eating dinner with family. I was seeing that throw go up. I I almost got out of my seat, man. <laughs> I was, I was getting ready to like sprint down the hall of this random restaurant. People looking at me crazy. So I'm like, that's my quarterback, man. He just made a crazy throw. It's still, it might be one of the best throws that I've seen that was an incompletion. And it was still one of the best throws that I saw like all the last season. There are a few by some quarterbacks that just stick in my head, like rent free, like the Geno throw against the Saints. Yeah, I saw the, uh, Ian Hartz posted that uh, the other day, and uh, that, was that was disgusting. Then the 60-yard throw Justin Herbert had against the Jaguars in the regular season. This was the first game uh, after. That's when they lost by like a billion to Jacksonville at home. Yeah, they got destroyed, but they it was the first game after the uh, the broken ribs, and he mm, just yeah, but on, against Kansas City. yard bomb. And I'm like, that man cannot be. That man cannot be uh, injured if he's doing that. You you cannot convince me that man is not built out of vibranium. So I'm going to ask you this, and I'm glad that I brought up the Jaguars and everything and Trevor Lawrence as well. And, I mean, you might be a little bit biased in this, but that's okay. You got you can pick one for the next five years, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. Which one are you taking? I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I think um, I think what Trevor does so well is he can do kind of the robot stuff, like the nitty-gritty of quarterbacking. Like I think about all the time. Dak is a robot at quarterback. He can get through the ins and outs of quarterbacking. But at the same time, Trevor has this ability where if things go wrong, he goes, I'm Trevor freaking Lawrence, and I'll, I'll go make a throw. I'll throw a guy open. And – that's really, like, I don't think it's what separates Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, because I think both guys can do that. I just think Justin Herbert kind of, I feel like he kind of holds himself back because of how, one, how safe the offense was. 
Yeah, I think getting rid of Lombardi and bringing in Kel Moore will bring out all of the the best aspects of Justin Herbert. But I feel like a little, in a few ways, Kellen Moore and Joe Lombardi's offenses were a little similar, except mm-hmm. Kellen Moore wasn't running stick all the time. Kellen Moore was, all running, it was. Kellen Moore was running Hank all the time, double curls on the outside. It was like it was eight yard curls or like eight yard stop routes. Mm-hmm. It was the throw uh, Dak threw a pick on in the uh, the um, divisional game against the Niners. The yeah, to Dima Lenore, where uh. Gallup turned the wrong way. Yeah. That's the Kellen Moore special. It's Hank or uh, outside stop routes to the outside. It'll probably fit with Mike Williams and Keaton Allen, but at some point you gotta you gotta let the uh you gotta let the uh, the kid throw the deep ball, you know? Yeah, you, you gotta well, made a really good point about Justin Herbert last year, and I think it was after the Atlanta game where he said it looks to me like Justin Herbert is throwing deep like three times a game just to say he threw the ball deep a few times a game. Like he, he, there could be a guy who yeah, you could get the safe five yards or you got Mike Williams in double coverage, but he hasn't done anything all game, like throwing the ball wise. And he's like, I need to at least see if something will happen. So he's just kind of uncorking balls that not, not to his fault, have no chance, but like, he just feels like he needs to throw the ball deep. And I thought that was a good point that was made because he he didn't get a whole hell of a lot of opportunities to do that. And hopefully the offensive line holds up this year. Rashawn Slater will be back. Hopefully yeah. protection will allow him to give the opportunity to throw deep. I think this year is going to be a really interesting Justin Herbert uh, year because I think we all agree Justin Herbert is like a top five, six quarterback in the yeah. league. I think it's going to be a much more interesting Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco year. Yeah, I mean – <laughs> it, it'll be real interesting what happens with them at the end of this year, but it's going to be interesting where we see Justin Herbert during this year because the offensive line should be healthy. You got some more receiver help. It'll be interesting to see what Kellen Moore does with this offense yeah. because I kind of think he and Joe, like I said, I think he and Joe Lombardi are a little sim- more similar than people think, but we'll see where it'll be an interesting year for the Chargers. You know, we, Philadelphia might drafted a lot of Georgia Bulldogs, but the Los Angeles Chargers drafted a bunch of TCU Horn Frogs. <laughs> they saw, I think they took both they receivers saw, and they, they, saw, then they, took Duggan. Get, they saw TCU get obliterated in SoFi and said, "We can't be the only ones." <laughs> you, they knew they had a they had a common relationship, and that was getting destroyed. Yes, in SoFi, and they're like, "Yeah, man, come join us, Max Duggan, future tight end." Uh, Quentin Johnston, I think I was intrigued by the pick considering Zay Flowers was still there. I was, I thought Zay Flowers was a pencil in guy if he, if he made it to the Chargers that they would take him. But Quentin Johnston fits the Tom Telesco height, weight, speed thing. Mm. And he's also going to do the one thing that they need, which is like run far down the field. They have zero speed outside of him. Uh, like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are really good at the point guys, and Keenan Allen's a really good route runner. None of them have like game breaking speed. The receiver. I position. think at this point, Keenan Allen is a big slot. That's yeah. That's, that's probably a good call by you. Right now, um, Quentin Johnston. I think he runs two routes. He runs the go, and I think he runs the drag. I think you need mm. to get him in. His best routes will be kind of on the – he needs to be on the Christian Watson diet. 
like from last year. You get him on jet yeah. sweeps, you get him on crossing routes, or you get him, you want him running away from defenders either vertically or horizontally. That's where you can use his run after the catch ability. Yeah. You want to get him in free releases. So they're going to move him around a lot, but it'll be intriguing because they have a bunch of tall receivers. And hopefully the offense opens up a little more. I think if this offense remains constricted, it'll be interesting to see what happens like in terms of how we discuss Justin Herbert, but also how we discuss Kellen Moore. If I gave you an over-under, over-under one-and-a-half AFC West teams make the playoffs, what are you taking? Right now I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under mainly because I think the Dolphins are going to be really good, and I also think the Ravens are going to be really good. And then you also those are those are the three that it came down to for me when picking the seven seed is Miami, uh, Baltimore, and the Chargers. And I originally picked the Chargers. And and the weeks since, like, done a lot of things. I was like, how many times do I got to drink the Chargers Kool Aid and them let me down before I finally learn my lesson? And how many times do I have to see John Harbaugh and Lamar get into the playoffs before you know I pick them over the like? I think I'm kind of backing up on the Chargers until they prove to me that they are worthy of being that team that's put in the playoffs. So if I had to rank them right now, looking back on it, I would probably go Baltimore, Miami, Los Angeles. And again, it's no fault to the quarterback because I think that like, well, like we said, I think Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in the league. It's just, he is the victim of a situation that is not advantageous. I also think the supporting casts are a little better in Miami and Baltimore, not just offensively, but around the whole team. Baltimore's defense is really good. They're they're primed for a big breakout year this year. I think Mike McDonald, second year as defensive coordinator, he really started to turn it on after Roquan Smith got traded there. Roquan Smith is so good. Yeah, he's, he's pretty he's all right. So good at linebacker. Kyle Hamilton really started to excel a lot more when you moved him. Too closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that's where he's best in the, kind of that rover nickel spot where he can match him up on tight ends and he can set the edge. Um, the corners should be healthy this year. Like you're not, they're not going to be as insanely injured at corner as they were last year. Yeah. And then the offense outside gonna- of Marlon Humphrey, who do they have at cornerback though? That that's probably the only spot I'm like super concerned with. Maybe the defensive line too, depending on if Pierce can stay healthy. Um, like the middle of their, their defense is obviously really good and they've got some studs on the back end. It's just depth issue at corner, maybe like defensive line. Well, I think that's why they signed Rocky Sin. I don't know if Rocky Sin is like some, oh, that we signed Rocky Sin league mm-hmm. thing, but he's he's fine as a second corner. I think the guys they brought in, like uh, Kai Blue Kelly, is really nice, really nice fit for them. Love him at the senior bowl. Yeah, love them at the senior bowl. I think the bigger question for me is how are they going to generate pass rush? Um, this is really a bet on, hey, is if David Ojabo comes back healthy and is the David Ojabo we saw at Michigan, we might have something cooking here because you got him, you got Lafayette, uh, Justin Matabuike, silently, quietly, very good player. Justin Matabuike rocks. Um, <laughs> you can tell how excited I get talking about uh, defense alignment. But um, Travis Jones. Was That's also- why you and I have a good, uh, a good. Uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? We're like peanut butter and jelly. We got a good dynamic because you love that stuff more than yes. I do. I, I think Justin Matt is really good. 
Um, they just need some, they need that edge presence to be a little better. They need Adafi Owe to be a little better. Um, they need David Ojabo to come back a little healthier. Hey, we'll see. We will see. But I also think in Miami, that defense is going to be, defense is going to be pretty fun. Defense is going to be really good. I, I expect a big year from Jalen Phillips in Miami. Oh, he's, had a, he's had a couple years of like seven and a half, eight sacks. I think this is a prime year where he can be a double-digit double digit sack guy. Jalen Phillips would have had double-digit sacks last year if he could tackle. Mm. He just could not tackle. He would get there, and he wouldn't just finish through. And it'd be so frustrating, so aggravating. But you have him on the front lines. You have Christian uh, Wilkins, who is really good. He's quite he good. He does not generate the sack numbers like the um the tier one defensive tackles, but he is so good against disruptor. Him. And he I think a lot of why his sack numbers were so low is because of how much blitzing and pressure Miami brought under the past defensive coordinators, because he was kind of just asked to take up the blockers while we had a guy screaming off the edge unblocked. So now in a defense where you're not going to have that many pressures, that much uh, blitzing, we'll see how good of a pass rusher he really is. Um, who else? They, oh, yeah. Got Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. Very good. I was like, oh, yeah, they traded for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, they sure did. Um, yeah. In case we forgot, Jalen Ramsey is really freaking good. And it allows you to play. Um, he can play everywhere in the in defensive backfield. He can play corner. He can, you can play him at star. I think, he'll, I think he's best at star. And you can play, like, if you want to play him outside, you can play Kater Kohu at nickel. You can play Cam Smith outside if you want uh, Jalen Ramsey to play inside and nickel. Javon Holland is a star. He I is, think Javon Holland has a big breakout year this year. He's going to break Especially with Fangio, a defensive coordinator. I think he's going to thrive. He is everywhere. He's always around the ball, extremely productive. And he's also kind of de facto leader of that defense. Mm. I really do have questions about the middle, especially a linebacker. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if David Long can replicate what he did in Tennessee, Jamal Baker is kind of meh. I think he's fine will linebacker, but they are pretty thin there. But outside of that, man, if two was healthy, then that team is really good. That has been a big if. So we'll see, you know, obviously wishing two of the best with his it was his head and whatnot. He got the new the new bonnet to you know protect against the uh the concussions and whatnot. Did you see a running around practice with a an HD camera on the top of his helmet a few days ago. No, I didn't. I didn't. It was, like it wasn't like the one on like the side of the helmet that they were using. No, it was like a. Was it like it was like, almost comical how big it was? It looked kind of like a GoPro. Con- no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, have you ever seen the movie I Spy with Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy? Yes. Okay, I don't know if you remember the scene. It's like kind of near the beginning of the movie, but Owen Wilson's pissed off because like there's this other spy has really cool like equipment and whatnot, and he's got like the shit equipment, and he's holding this big ass camera and like this tiny ass like sneaky camera, and he's like, "This is Carlos's camera, and this is my spy camera," and he's like pissed off about it. It looked like they took that camera that Owen Wilson oh. was holding and duct taped it to the top of to his helmet. Oh, it's like they hadn't gave him a little jumbotron. It was it was very big. <laughs> that that actually is kind of funny. I want to see a player wear that in the game. Just run around with a big satellite dish on your helmet. I think that could be fun. Yeah, like a little direct TV. That's how you get the plays in. You gotta yeah, 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 yeah. sideline, <laughs> and that's how you get plays in. 
I love it. All right. So the thing that you and I both came here for. That's right. We are going to draft Disney movies. Oh, yeah. Five, five apiece. Um, here, I'm going to hold uh, odd or even, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with this. I'll go. I'll hold between one and five. Pick odd or even. Um, even. That was a three. Okay. All right. So I will go first, and then we'll just alternate. All right. Quick All question. Right, so go ahead. Is this Disney and Pixar? I was going to say Disney and Pixar because okay. Pixar is owned by Disney. So all of all of them are in play here during the draft. So my 1.1, and I would hate myself if I didn't pick it. It's my one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm taking Toy Story. Okay. That's a solid one. That's, that is, the, that's the get on base. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's a high uh, uh, OBS score uh, in yep. baseball. Yeah. All right. It's not a home run, but it, it is a solid dog. Exactly. All right. Your first pick. My first pick is, of course, The Lion King. Uh, that is, that's also a good pick. That is, it has arguably the greatest soundtrack. Oh, dude. It's such a good soundtrack. soundtrack. And like, the movie's awesome. So it is a great movie. It is. It is. I showed it to my sister and she loved it. I'm tempted just to draft movies off soundtracks now because there's so many really good ones. So many. I'm gonna all right, I'm gonna save this one. I have one in my head that I kind of want to wait on because I think I can still get it. Uh, I will take I've already psyched myself out. All right, I will take. I'm going to take one of the classic princess ones because I think it's really good. I will take Beauty and the Beast. So I understand the pick. I am of the belief that Beauty and the Beast is a little overrated. I love Beauty and the Beast. It was one of my favorites as a kid, so I have a lot of nostalgia oh, yeah. and love for it. Um, explain your reasoning. What, what What's your reasoning for disliking Beauty and the Beast? Beauty just uh, Bell just ends up falling for this dude, even though he kidnapped her dad. And you did tweet about this. Okay, it's coming back to me. Like, what is the reason behind this? Like, why are you still like, yeah, I'm gonna marry this guy? They danced in a library, JP. Beautiful. (laughs) Nerd. (laughs) Your dad is crying in a locked up tower, and you're out here dancing. That's funny. All right, make your second pick. My second pick is the better Toy Story movie, Toy Story 2. I think Toy Story is one of very few, and might be the only series where each movie gets better. I don't know if... It's just really hard to come off of the high of one, two, three, and then four. Four felt kind of like a step down. I think three. Felt Even like that, it's still a very good movie. Those are they're great movies, but yeah. it just—I don't think it's going to match the the one and two. Okay, fair enough. Two is very good. I do love Toy Story. Two is two. awesome. It's got uh, awesome. it's got one of the most aesthetically pleasing scenes in Pixar, where where uh, Woody gets Woody going to be painted. That was just all watching it now. I'm like, oh man, that is perfect. He's just got That's like shit. adult porn at that point where you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you paint that doll. 
they they did that just for parents absolutely uh, you know you know that scene in south that episode of south park where randy gets turned on by the food network mm-hmm. it, it was it was kind of like that kind of like that for yeah. paris all right so i did save this one i'm pretty happy it's still there i'm taking this one it's a really good movie great vibes good like you know feel good story empowering story and the best disney song of all time i'm taking the lawn that was gonna be my next pick yeah it is the greatest disney song of all time absolutely any other arguments no nope. like that song can cross over like you can just say like you must be swift as a coursing river somebody's gonna say be a man and people understand it yes. people get it my third pick is if you know me, this is my brand. A goofy movie. Yeah, you know what, buddy? That's a fantastic pick. It is one of the most underrated movies that Disney I agree released. Such a cool movie. Goofy's Goofy is still like of the original Disney characters, is he is my favorite. Because like in the Goofy movie, he's just a dad. Yeah, man. Raise his son. And I'm like, I feel that. And Powerline, eye to eye. Awesome Disney song. Oh, that is a that's an underrated Disney song. Underrated, but to to me, it is a top ten because I listen to that all the time. <laughs> all right, um, my fourth, yes, fourth pick. There's a couple personal favorites that I want to take here. And I'm going to take one of them. And some are going to say that I might be overdrafting this one. Some might not even draft it at all. But I like it a lot. It's one of my favorites. I'm going to take 101 Dalmatians. Ooh. Ooh, sneaky. That's a sneaky pick. I I think aesthetic, like, especially in the wintertime around Christmas, I think watching that in, like, December matches the vibes. I think Corella DeVille, all-time great villain. Um it, yeah, it's just a fun movie. Old timey, like, just feels feels homey. It's just another cool movie like that. And the Aristocrats, yeah. just very cool movies. Oh, speaking of underrated Disney songs, O'Malley, the Alley Cat. Everybody wants to be a cat. Yeah, banger. just just a banger. <laughs> I'm going to parody myself once again with the fourth pick, and okay. go with my favorite Pixar movie of all time. Okay. Car. People shit on Cars all the time, JP. I don't understand it. I love Cars. Cars. is fantastic. Great the movie. Scene where they light up Radiator Springs is the best scene in Pixar history. Absolutely. And it was one of the highlights of my childhood, that scene. I love that movie. Like, I listen to Shaboom. I listen to that all the time. <laughs> also, also, that soundtrack was made just for Cars, which means Life is a Highway is a, Disney, a Disney song. Life is a Highway is one of the best Disney songs ever, man. Like, <laughs> I, you know how good Life is a Highway is? Every time I think of or see the phrase Life is a Highway, I think of Rascal Flats. Absolutely. I've never seen it before. I think of Lightning Mac driving along Route 66. Yes. The, uh, the Piston Cup. Also, Chick Hicks, Generational Hater. Great, great villain. Generational hater. You didn't, you didn't have any reason to like like him or not. He was just a bad dude. Yeah. He was just not likable at all. And the mustache was hilarious. Absolutely. He, he's, he, he's so good of a hater. He was hating on Lightning McQueen, even in Cars 3, after he retired and went up to the booth. 
That is that is elite hating. We're not going to see levels of hateration like that ever again. And I think they really incorporated like like D- Daryl Walter being uh, Daryl Car Trip, and Bob Costas had a different name too. I can't remember it. I think um, it Bob Costas. Something like that. It wasn't, it, it, but I do love that movie. I think the the cast was very good. Like Owen Wilson was the perfect voice actor for Lightning McQueen. Oh he was God, Bob Cutlass. Great. <laughs> it's just perfect. Also, um, the scene of a uh, Doc racing around the dirt track. Yes, another aesthetically cool. Yes, looking uh, shot. Mater is like an all-time beloved character in the Disney verse. Like. I don't think you'll find a person who doesn't like Mater. No. If you don't like Mater, it's a red flag to me. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Like, What's there not to like? It's Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, I was going to say, bless Larry the Cable Guy. Backwards. That's great. All right. That is a very good pick. Um, for my fifth pick, I'm down to a couple that I really like. I'm going to tell you ones that... I'll tell you ones after that didn't make the cut because I don't want to give you any ideas on beating me on this because you already beat me in the, in the helmet draft. <laughs> um, I, oh man. So there's one that I'm probably leaning toward taking that I really like. There's a couple classics. Like, I'm not going to take Cinderella. I can tell you that. I'm not going to take Snow White. I, you know, it may, might be a hot take. I don't really like Cinderella. I think Cinderella is good for what it does. Like, it, the bippity boppity boo. Of course, that's, that's yeah. cool. It's iconic. Yeah, it's iconic. The Cinderella, Cinderella dancing with the prince, iconic. Like yeah. castle, yeah, it's all it's good. Outside of that, like it's just it's just your there. Sixties Disney movie. So I'm going to take one that I hold very near and dear to my childhood. I am going to take Robin Hood. Ooh. Sneak. That's another good, good really one. good sneaky one. Really good sneaky opening song. Mm-hmm. Um, Odalali. I think that's how he, how he says it. Yeah. Not um, Oh man, yes, that song is so depressing, but it's really good. <laughs> it's so depressing, but it's such a good song. Such a good movie. Such a good song. Oh yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm gonna give you an honorable mention after you make yours because it's like yeah, it's obviously a Disney movie. Um, but it's a seasonal one. So I'll explain after you make your pick. All right. So my pick is between two movies that were both made after 2010. Um, I honestly kind of think the new Disney movies are actually really good. Like there are some certified bangers in there. And this is, I, I think a lot of them are good. It's just, I think I have a lot of nostalgia through like the older yeah, animation style. Cool. Yeah. Hold you over. But this sure. is one of them that I think is one of the best. I think I know you're going with. I'm going in Kanto. In my pick, Encanto. Yes, that movie is amazing. The soundtrack, JP. I haven't seen it. Oh my god, you have to just listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is awesome. I thought you were going with Coco. Going with what? I thought you were going with Coco. No, Coco is also a very good. Coco is very good. That's why when you said first twenty ten, I was like, all right, there's one that comes to mind, and it's Coco. But. Encanto is one of my baby sister's favorites. Um, I think I know the entire soundtrack by heart by now. What's um, it even about? Wh- huh? What's it about? Um, so this family all has magical gifts except for one child who doesn't. And she has to go on a trip. She has to go on a journey to figure out what her magical gift is. That sounds nice. 
it's a it's a very good movie. It gets very sad, like near the okay. end. It gets real sad. That's you'll fine. Know, I'll, I'll, you, I'll cry during movies. I don't care. You watch it, you'll know, and <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. But the the soundtrack is perfect. Like every song on there is a banger. Okay. And it it's probably like Lin Manuel Miranda's like best Disney work. Okay. But yeah, I'm going in console here. My uh, I had a couple of honorable mentions, but I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, 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 we'll get to our honorable mentions. So um Hercules was a big one because I love the Hercules soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack. Uh, very good soundtrack. Um the one that I almost wanted to take, even though like it would only pop me, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. See, I thought you were gonna go with Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a is that a Disney movie? That is Am a I, Disney movie. I did not know that. Nightmare Before Christmas is a Disney movie. I would have gone with it if I could watch it in any period outside of October sure. or December. Sure. But it's once you get to those, it's like all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as soon as the clock hits December 1st, this is Halloween getting yes. played. <laughs> but uh, I actually have two honorable mm-hmm. mentions. Uh, the one that I was going to pick uh, over a Kanto, but chose a Kanto was Moana. Moana's good. For my money, Moana is better than both Frozen movies. Like it's better I, than what? It's better than both Frozen movies. Oh, um, I agree. Yeah. And the second one, it'll probably only pop me. Okay. Or like my sister, if she listens to this. Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons is one of the most underrated Disney movies of all time. It is, it doesn't have a, I don't think it has like more than one song on it, but it's about this kid who's a really smart, smart kid, inventor, who goes to the future and somehow finds his future family. And oh. it's it's one of the coolest, one of the coolest movies ever. Um, it's just such it's so fun. It's so fun. The characters are real quirky. It's it's another like Acosta family classic. Also, Brother Bear, another Brother Bear is Brother Bear's a Disney movie. I thought that was yes. Dreamworks. Brother Bear is a Disney movie. Um, Atlantis, Lost Empire. I was just about to say, like that era of Disney movies, Atlantis, Lost Empire, Hunchback of Notre Dame, like those are both very. Hunchback of Notre Dame movie. is not a children's movie. They no, absolutely not. No, that movie is a thirteen rating. It, at least it should be. That is a depressing movie. Yeah, very. It is, but it's good. It's awesome. Like I watch it now and be like, "Hey, this is a great movie." But when I was like ten, it traumatized me. Yeah. Like, like the the Hellfire song is amazing. Like, it's good. But it's scary. Oh, so evil. <laughs> like, this guy is such a bad person. Um, Princess and the Frog also slaps. Soundtrack's awesome. Um, I think one of the new ones that kind of stood out to me uh, outside of Encanto was um, Soul. Soul is, a, Soul is really good. It I haven't seen second, Soul either. It took me a second watch to actually get, like, Soul. Okay. It was really good. Um, I almost chose Wally because, like, it's it's a cute little robot. It, it's a cute robot learning how to find love in a environmental wasteland. Who have you seen the uh, the conspiracy theory about Wally? I might have, but you got to refresh my memory. Uh, that Wally um like caused the apocalypse or something. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, it it makes sense, but I'm also like, no, this is my innocent boy. Yep, he, yep, yep. I agree. Um, um, up. Just yeah, yeah. Up, up was one that I almost chose as well. 
the first 10 minutes of Up kind of carry the entire movie, but those first 10 Oh, I disagree. I, I think overall it's a really good movie, but those first 10 minutes are iconic forever in Disney lore. The first 10 minutes, that was the first time as a kid I ever saw my parents cry. Like, really? Yes. And I was like, are y'all good? <laughs> like, what am I watching? Um, uh, I would be remiss if I did a Disney movie thing and didn't shout out my sister who loves Ratatouille. Ratatouille is a good one. Ratatouille is a Ratatouille is a great one. Um, very very low key. Pixar has the most consistent like banger of Disney Disney movies, but I don't think Disney really has reached the low of Cars two or Planes. Cars two is bad. Cars two is bad. Planes is really bad. I wouldn't blame you for watching that. Um, but yeah, man, it's there's so many. I think I might do a tier list for SB Nation of Disney movies. I, talked to I hope you do. Friend. I'll gladly read it. Yeah, I love it. Love the idea. But I'm, a, I'm good with what I drafted. I drafted uh, the JP Classics. I knew I could get cars in the fourth round because nobody seems to like cars. I like cars. Like that. I don't know why it gets so like shit on. I, guess I don't either. I guess because it got caught between like Toy Story Incredibles, which uh, is another like. Oh damn it! Yeah, none of us took the Incredibles. Yeah, um, Finding Nemo is also. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, man, Pixar like consistently like Monsters Inc. There was a run, I think. Like, let me look it up. Uh, Pixar movies list. Yeah, there was a run, like I think it was like from '95 to honestly like 2010. Where it was Toy Story, Bugs, Bugs Life, Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Damn. Ratatouille, Wally, Up, Toy Story 3. They went like 10 for 10. That was, that's a phenomenal run. That's like Bill Russell Celtics stuff. That is, that is insane. Where they just did all that. Maybe the only miss might be a Bugs Life, depending on who you talk to. I mean, it's. It's not like one of the ones I'll go to, but like I've seen it and I didn't despise it. Yeah, I won't like say, hey, turn this off mm. if somebody puts on a Bugs Life, but I don't Absolutely. think people are putting on a Bugs Life. But Pixar, like very consistently, does good movies. Now, post Cars 2, you got Brave. That's Monster a mess. University. Monster University is pretty good. Uh, Inside Out is actually like really good. Inside Out is very good. Um, and has one of the sadder Disney deaths of the well, the imaginary Bing friend, Bing Bong. Yes, um, dude, I, I gotta tell you, the first time I saw that, I was I can't remember how old I was, but like at the end when the girl like breaks down, I could watch that today and it will still make me cry like a baby. Like that is a powerful, just uh, ugly cry scene. Like this kid's having a breakdown because she just yeah. wants to hold him. Like man. I feel that. <laughs> I felt like that. Like, I think uh, Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3 was actually, like, really good. Finding Dory was pretty solid. I like Finding, Finding Dory. Finding Dory was fun. Um, Coco, I mean. Coco's uh, great. Just an amazing movie. Also yeah. incredibly sad. Yes. Like, uh, Pixar does this thing where, like, they will make a very fun movie, but also, like, make it like life lesson relatable and impactful emotionally and i i love that 
like, oh, you have to, the main thing is like you want to have a good relationship with your family so you don't be, become forgotten and like the mm. whole country is forgotten after you're gone. But no, we're just going to cover that in some little skeleton playing mariachi and everybody's like, woohoo! And nobody's going to actually see like, dang, yeah, forgotten by my family. Yeah. <laughs> um, Incredibles 2 was all right. Toy Story 4. Um, Onward was actually like, it was kind of fun. I think it was it's very like it's very nerdy. I haven't seen Onward. It's got a lot to do with like magic. Tom Holland okay. and Chris play brothers. In the oh movie. okay. Oh, I know exactly the movie you're talking about. I yeah. just haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like so the one uh, where their dad passes away or something, or their this has something to do with their dad, right? Yeah. Dad, their dad passed away, um, and they're like the kid like learns magic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Soul really good. Luca is a really fun movie. I have not like, seen that either. It's about these two like fish like kids who want to come up come up from the uh, water and actually be humans. It's kind of it sounds like Finding Nemo crossed with Little Mermaid. Yes, without the singing. Oh, and also very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will say that it is it is the Little Mermaid. If there was no singing and everybody was extremely Italian, it does take place in Italy. Okay, so, that's fun. It, it's very Italian, very fun. Um, turning red, I I thought I was gonna hate turning red. I have no idea what that is either. You are much more uh, in tune with recent XR than I am. Yeah, I'm I'm a nerd. Um, okay, I, I I like it. <laughs> this kid uh, in turning red can turn into a giant red panda, but it has a lot. It has what? a it's a lot deeper and more just like. Uh, a lot of family issues and like wanting okay. to be yourself and getting away from like what your parents want you to do. And it's, it's also kind of, kind of sad, but again, like Pixar and Disney do this thing where like, like you said, they hide depressing like mantras or tropes in an amazing soundtrack. I'm looking like, at more because there's more that like will come to mind. Like, uh, Great Mouse Detective. I didn't say I think that movie's great. Oh, that again. That's another one where like <laughs> it's really sad. But like Lilo and Stitch. None of us said Lilo and Stitch. Oh, Lilo and Stitch is so good. So good. Twenty one years ago today, uh, that it came out. Wow, twenty one years ago. None of us said Pocahontas, but I don't like that movie. So I think Pocahontas is also overrated. I think Pocahontas and Tarzan are overrated. And I like reason, Tarzan. I think the soundtrack of Tarzan kind of carries the movie, though. That's the exact reason why I think Tarzan and Pocahontas are overrated. Outside of saying the soundtrack is good, what else can you really say about that movie? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Dumbo. Dumbo scares the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie to you. Dumbo. Like, that's, there's that scene with like that weird acid trip type stuff. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out on Dumbo. I, I watched really... that one night. I, I couldn't sleep for some reason. Like, I just watched Dumbo. That was not a good move. No, absolutely not. It was, it was the a, last movie I'm watching at two in the morning. The pink elephants on parade is just so weird. Not a fan. It's, Same reason I don't like Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland is just, it's too out there for me. Yes. Especially like yes. the older animation, it's just very weird. Um, um, say Bambi, I'm not like huge on Bambi. I'm not anti-Bambi. I'm not for it. It's just there. We all remember what we, we all know what we want to remember about Bambi. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Peter Pan. I like Peter Pan. 
I don't like Peter Pan. You don't like Peter Pan? I get why, like, I think Peter Pan is a fine movie, but, like, I don't like Peter Pan as a character. I think he's annoying. My, uh, my, my sister, one of my younger sisters, was horrified of um, whenever the alligator would come. Like, you hear, like, the clock. She hated that for whatever reason when we were kids, and I think it's, to this day, the funniest thing. So I have – oh, the Jungle Book. None of us said the Jungle Book. I love the Jungle Book. Jungle Book is an extremely charismatic movie. Bare Necessities. I love that song. Bare Necessities. I want to be like you. Oh. Very good villain song because it doesn't, yes. have, doesn't have the vibes of a uh, villain song. Um, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Like Pure That stuff. is very much a you grew up in that Disney yeah. era. Yeah, love Emperor's New Groove. My to this day, me and my best friend will just like randomly, like if we're with each other, we'll just look at each other and it's like Cusco, and then just start <laughs> laughing. Is it? I yeah, I love is, that movie. Great movie. That is the uh, what you'd call it? Like if you were born like after two thousand. That's kind of your era of Disney, like in that weird middle. But yeah. they they had some bangers. Yeah, like Atlantis. Like I said, Meet the Robinsons, Brother Bear, Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet, oh my god. I had the Treasure Planet video game for PlayStation 1, and I used to play the hell out of that. It was a great movie. Great Underrated. What else? Um, The Rescuers. I like The Rescuers. It's pretty cool. It's 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 fine. fine. We've established that Brother Bear is a Disney movie. Yes. Fox and the Hound. Again, that is one, like, (laughs) if you talk to anybody, like, born, like, way before like the golden era of disney which is like the 90s like the renaissance era they will hold fox and the hound like very very close to their heart it's a good movie it it gets sad at the end like of course it does it's a disney movie disney movie it gets depressing at the end but yeah it's pretty it's a pretty good one we have not mentioned any of the aladdin movies how do you feel about aladdin oh the uh, the first aladdin the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks absolutely like, what is the one miss? Like, I don't even think there's a miss on that uh, soundtrack. I mean, no, all of them are good. A uh, whole new world. Um, friend, friend like, like me. me. Um, Prince Ali. Prince Ali. Um, the friend like me. I don't know. The Prince Ali reprise that, that Jafar does. Actually, not that bad. It's pretty good. Jafar is a good villain. He's got Gilbert Gottfried, R.I.P. as Yago. Uh, yeah, it's a Hall of Fame cast. I love Aladdin. <laughs> insane cast yeah like it's so funny like not even just looking at uh disney movies just going back and looking at kids movies and looking at the cast that they have yeah literally it's crazy how and i think we're starting to see a little bit more of that now where like you see like big animated movies that just go balls to the wall with the voice actors like um um the secret life of pets movies kind of do that now where like it's like uh, they just Every A-list comedian, singer, just fucking book them all for this movie. And it usually it works. So I'm going to read off to you the cast of DreamWorks 2004 movie Shark Tale. Oh, my God. Hit me with it. I'm so excited. Will Smith. That's <clears throat> the main character. Yep. Robert De Niro plays a shark who leads like the mob. It was. I love this movie, by the way. Renee Zellweger plays the love interest. Jack Black plays another shark in this movie. What is happening in 2004? Angelina Jolie is in this movie. 
Martin Scorsese is in this Scorsese movie. plays somebody in the movie? Yes. Yes. God almighty. Um, Ziggy Marley and Dougie Doug are in this movie. Katie Couric is in this movie for some From reason. From the Today Show, Katie Couric? Yes. <laughs> Missy Elliott and Christina Aguilera play themselves as fish in this movie. <laughs> Like, come on, man. Like, that is an amazing cast for a movie that, like, is criminally underrated in the DreamWorks area. I don't know. It's going to be hard to find, like, a top-to-bottom cast that's just star-studded like that for an animation movie. Madagascar, the first Madagascar is pretty top-heavy, too. Madagascar has a good one, good cast. Um, Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Who's all in? I know, obviously, Jack Black. Who else is in Kung Fu Panda? I was never a big Kung Fu Panda guy. Um... Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's in Kung Fu Panda? Yes, he plays Monkey. I didn't um, know that. Seth Rogen. That makes sense. Angelina Jolie. What's up with Anna, Angelina Jolie and all these animated movies? I don't know. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Okay, that's a good one. Um, Lucy Liu. It's a random one, but cool. David Cross. I love James, David Cross. James Hong is in this movie. As the duck, uh, Mr. Ping, that is co- that's Poe's dad. Okay. That's James Hong. Um, let's see. Uh, Gary Oldman is in the second one. He plays Gary Shin. Oldman? Really? Um, Michelle Yeoh is in the second movie. Jesus. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is in the second <laughs> And by the way, my take has always been this. Kung Fu Panda has never missed on a movie. I, I do recall you and I having a little bit of an exchange about this. Because like, like I said, I was never like too huge into Kung Fu Panda. I'm not anti-Kung Fu Panda. It was just one that I never really watched growing up. Post Shrek 1 and 2, those movies aren't that great. No, I agree. DreamWorks I, went through a little bit of a dry I spell. Think- my take is Kung Fu Panda as movies are a better franchise than Shrek. That is just. I would have to watch the entire Kung Fu Panda. I've seen the first one and I, and I like the first one. I've seen the rest of the series. I will say after Shrek 2, it gets pretty grim for that franchise. I will say the Puss, the Puss in Boots movie, The Last Wish, really good. Was it? Yeah, really good. Really fun. I haven't. I haven't dived into the uh shrek extended cinematic universe so it's really fun the, uh the villain in that uh movie death <laughs> it's it's literally death it's a wolf Rad. that is supposed to be the grim reaper it's really cool like it's we cool could stuff. we could spend another hour talking about disney movies i'm sure we could oh for sure we gotta we'll do say- we gotta do a soundtrack draft next time i'm down yeah that's fine it, they might look a little bit similar because obviously like soundtrack is a big part of Disney, but we'll make that happen. Buddy, I always enjoy doing a show with you. What uh what do you got going to SB Nation? Um, this weekend, cover and break dancing. That is the big thing that's on the uh docket this weekend. The Red Bull BC one regionals are in Orlando this weekend, and I'm gonna be covering some break dancing starting tomorrow. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes open. I wrote a few <laughs> stories this past couple of weeks about some big things going on in the NFL, like the running back situation, um, the Vikings competitive rebuild, which is really interesting to me. They're one of the teams I'm going to be looking out for. Okay. And I'm just watching film, 
putting it on uh, Twitter, uh, doing tier lists, putting it on Twitter. Just got to follow along to see what happens. And for me, uh, watch all three episodes of Watch the Tape on my YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's on the same channel. So go watch all those. Um, stuff coming for Bears Wire as a staff. Um, and then I'll do more quarterback stuff on USA Today as well. I feel like I had some guys. Oh, I'm going on a training camp tour. So if you are in Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington, I'm coming to you uh, at some point this summer to, uh, to see some training camp. Buffalo, you need to put him through a table. I'm ready, man. Uh, I don't know if they do that at camp, but I'm going to see if somebody will. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Somebody put this man through a table. I feel like at some point we've got to do that to one another. Yeah, of course. I, I'm going to try and get my job to send me to Buffalo for a game. Maybe I'll write a story about the history behind the tables, and I'll just go through a table. Really, that's the, the main reason why I'm going. I just you go to, to wrestling school, too, so you can learn how to take the bump. It yeah, makes... I'm going to be able to take a table bump, you know? Yeah, I hear, with that. I hear full work rate, J.P. Acosta. And um, this show, it's in the works right now, so I'm not going to say like anything's official yet, but it looks pretty good that we'll be doing um, a live show in Buffalo prior to the Bills' home opener at a bar somewhere, figuring it out still. So all the kinks and whatnot are being worked out, but that'll be a lot of fun. You know what? If SB Nation is going to send you somewhere, make it week two on like, Wednesday through Sunday, come to the show. We'll do it together. Absolutely. I'll see if I can make that work. Love, love to hear it. Obviously, like we still got a little bit of time before that. We'll work out all the kinks. Until, until next time, that's JP Acosta. I'm Jared Bailey. This is the Pump Fake. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Stick around for more content on the rest of this channel. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.